You're listening to the 49 Carats Podcast, a 49ers goldmine production with Stephanie Sanchez. Everyone, welcome to another edition of the 49 Carats Podcast. I'm your host, Steph. It is Thursday, October 19th. The 49ers are beginning their practice week later today in preparation for their Monday night clash against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm joined bright and early with Rob Stats Guerrera, as always on a Thursday. It's 7 a.m. on the West Coast, 8 for me, 10 for Rob. I've got my coffee in hand, hot and ready, like a little Caesar's pizza. And uh, <laughs> Rob, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. You're making me want another coffee. I've already had one. Now I want one more. Okay, I was going to ask, like, if you're a, much of a coffee drinker, because I, I've i never seen you with coffee, but maybe you just don't pod with coffee. I don't know. Every day. Need it first thing in the morning. I'm up at 630 every day because I got to get the kids ready for school. Have to have it. Absolutely essential. That's why you have all this energy, like, at, at all times. I think it all, <laughs> you know, makes a little more sense now. Um, look, quick shout out to 49K Pod listeners. Um, that's right. All of you who check the pod out on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, we reached 20,000 audio plays all time yesterday. That is awesome. That is amazing to me. So I really appreciate all the audio listeners, of course, all the viewers as well. Um, but that was a big milestone for the podcast. So definitely appreciate all the support and we'll just continue growing. But Rob, as we start every single show on a Thursday this week in 49ers history. And I really wish that I can show you the clip on this one, but it would get flagged because it's from like Fox or whatever. So we're going to leave out the video and I'll just say this October 16th, 2011 Jim Harbaugh's 49ers complete a fourth quarter comeback against Jim Schwartz, Detroit lions, which led to the infamous post game handshake slash squabble between these two coaches and both teams um and I actually love that this happened like the same week of the 49ers having just played you know Jim Schwartz as, as you guys know he's the defensive coordinator of the Browns he rightfully so will get some head coaching consideration again probably after the season if he could keep up what he's doing with the Browns um I don't know. Maybe he should get head coaching consideration based solely on the fact that he owns Kyle Shanahan. I hate to say it, but he owns Kyle Shanahan. Um, he's nine and one now over Kyle offenses. Uh, but you know, we'll we'll have the the time that the 49ers and and uh Harbaugh being pissed. Uh yeah, you have the you have a picture, Rob, of the the handshake here. Oh, look at so just look good. how angry Jim Schwartz was. Um, he had a bit of little man syndrome on that day. You know, it happens sometimes for us short people. But <laughs> I mean, this is this was like kind of a moment to remember. At least we'll always have this, right? The coaches almost fought after the game because Jim Harbaugh slaps Jim Schwartz on the back. Do you know the whole origin of that story? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty aggressive, right? Like he was super stoked about having just won the game and he gave him a pretty like considerable like slap on his back. Do you know why he gave him the slap on the back? I thought it was just because he was like so excited of having just won. No, no. So before the season, remember that was the lockout year. So there was no like communication between coaches and players and Harbaugh was just taking over. He was a new head coach. Yes. And they're at dinner, Harbaugh and Schwartz. 
and they're having a conversation and Schwartz looks at Harbaugh and he's like, man, you're really screwed this year because you can't talk to your guys. Like, how are you supposed to, you're not going to win this year. You're, you're in a terrible position. Well, apparently Harbaugh, that was all it took. Jim Harbaugh took that personal to quote Michael Jordan. He takes everything personal. I love it. (laughs) And so then when they came back and won, Harbaugh was especially fired up like, ha, you don't think I'm going to win? Well, we just kick your ass. So he gave him the back slap and that's what precipitated the whole thing. Mm, okay. There was there was some blood boiling even even before <laughs> that day. That makes it so much better, I think. <laughs> uh yeah, no, this is this was a what a time to be alive. Like the the Jim Harbaugh era in San Francisco was such a time. Uh and I will hold dearly forever. Um, but yeah, that was that was a really good one. You know, the other reason that I felt that this one you know, was semi-relevant to this week because we had a CJ Gardner Johnson, a former safety for the Eagles, who he played with them last year, mm-hmm. current uh, safety for the Detroit Lions this year, completely unprovoked, just started talking trash about Devo on Twitter. Then he went on Instagram Live to double down. Like, I don't know where this came from. Does this man not have anything to do that he's out here like hating on Debo for no reason? Like, I don't know if it stems back to the NFC uh, championship game. Uh, I don't remember them really getting into anything into that one, but it it seems like Debo is just as confused as we are. And I will play a clip because Debo, as always uh, during the week, it was Wednesday yesterday, he joined the Kay Adams show. And he was asked about it and they showed a clip from CJ Gardner Johnson's Instagram live. So I'll share the clip here as well and show Debo's reaction. Yeah. Audio. It looks like you about to cry. Bro, don't be friendly when you see me. Cause you be so flashy. You better hope, well, you better hope all that talk you be doing when we see y'all, whatever round it may be. Cause I can guard you. You can't run routes. You're a running back. You're running back. You know, I ain't gonna sit here and play with you, little boy. Because you got a little bag, people gave you a little clout, man. You ain't nothing, bro. Stop playing. It just sounds like he mad I got a little a little bag and a lot of money and nobody knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> Great response from Diva. I mean, Debo has been on a tear lately. First, he had, you know, that stuff to say about. Uh, Mike Parsons on his podcast and being all butthurt about the F Cowboys t-shirt. And he, he says everything with like a straight face too. I love it. He has like the smug look on his face when he says it. And it really cracked me up when, as soon as he saw the video start playing, he's like, look like he about to cry. (laughs) I don't know. Um, But so the reason that I thought it was relevant too, is because it's very, it's looking likely that these two teams could meet in the playoffs at some point, right? Like as it stands, both teams are five and one. The lions look great this year. All right. They're, they're going to be a good team. They're going to be a contender, at least like, you know, for considerable playoff run. So leading up to it, I mean, if this is part of the script writers doing here, uh, they're, they're writing the good script here because I think if there is a game between these two teams in the future, uh, there's definitely a lot to look forward to. I don't know, like you said, why CJ Gardner Johnson like decided to do this. It just seems really weird and random. 
Um, I love the fact that Debo is like not letting it go and that they are constantly chirping back and forth. But can I just say like, CJ's right. Debo can't run routes. He is a running back. Like he can't do it. He can't do it. This was my pet project yesterday, Steph. Do you know how many of Debo Samuel's career touchdowns, receiving touchdowns have come in the red zone? Um, no, I don't know, but I, I would imagine it's not many. Five, five out of 13 career receiving touchdowns. Five of them have come in the red zone. Why? Because Debo can't run the routes to get open in the red zone where he doesn't have as much space to move around. Compare that to Brandon Ayuk, who has 20 career touchdowns. You know how many of Ayuk's receiving touchdowns have come in the red zone? 18. Why? Because Ayuk is really freaking hard to cover. He can get open with minimal space in the red zone. That's why he was their best uh, red zone receiving threat last year. Debo can't do CJ's right. So like Debo can get mad about it, but in that particular aspect, he's right. But like who, I mean, fine. Like who cares though? Like Debo is going to run over you, whether it's as a running back or not. I mean, I think that's, that's the point. If these two guys met at some point, I, I see Debo, you know, just trucking him probably for, for a big gain. And then who's laughing, you know what I mean? So I just don't know why it seems like people are always coming after Debo, like of all people, of all players on the team, like why do people think he's the one to like, try to make angry, don't poke the bear, all this stuff. Have they not seen him play? Like he's, he's not the one you want to mess with. People always think things are sweet behind the keyboard, behind the screen, but when the pads come on, Debo has been that dude, and and he makes a lot of guys. He has made a lot of guys look silly. So CJ, watch out because you could be next. So I don't know where this is coming from, but it it just it's silly to me. Please give us a Lions Forty Niners matchup. <laughs> yeah, at this point we need this. it because you know first play Kyle's just gonna dial up like a Debo screen, and Debo's just gonna find CJ and run right at him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's he's done it to so many guys like. He's made Jalen Ramsey look silly. He's, I mean, he, I, I think he was well on his way to making the Browns look a little silly and, and pay for that little uh, squabble they had before the game. I really do. It's, it's a shame that he went out of the game, uh, you know, as early as he did. But speaking of the injury, uh, Debo also on K Adams talked about the injury and how his, you know, shoulder feels better than it did Sunday. So that's good. Remember he was on K Adams yesterday. So, one more day added to it, and and mind you, the 49ers play Monday, so an extra day of rest should definitely help. Um, he did mention his bicep momentarily going numb on Sunday, a little scary, but again, his words, he's feeling better, so we'll see how this week of practice goes for him, and I would imagine, like, you know, they, they keep it pretty minimal for him throughout the week. Uh, he's not one of those guys that necessarily needs to practice in order to be out there on uh, game day, so... I'm I'm feeling optimistic about Debo, and I'm also feeling optimistic about Trent Williams, who was dealing with an ankle injury. What was scary about it, he came back into the game, which I guess like we should feel good about. He finished the game. Then after the game, he was wearing like an orthopedic boot. <laughs> uh, so I, I didn't know what to make of it, but, uh, you know, Kyle early in the week said Trent is day-to-day. So another guy who 
look, if he doesn't practice, that's fine. In fact, don't let Trent practice at all this week. Just have him ready for Monday night. That is all we ask. But Rob, I think the biggest question we have is Christian McCaffrey, right? Um, and quite frankly, we really don't even know what his diagnosis is yet because the 49ers haven't exactly been forthcoming about it. It just so happened, very like big coincidence, that M- McCaffrey's MRI was scheduled the exact same time that you know Kyle spoke to the media on Monday. So we really haven't heard much uh, of anything since from the team, but we've seen reports that it's mostly just a pain tolerance thing for McCaffrey. So would you expect that uh, he would be out there on Monday night? I certainly hope not. Like, why? You can't beat the Vikings without Justin Jefferson, without Christian McCaffrey. You still have Kittle. You still have Ayuk. I wouldn't play Debo either. I wouldn't play Trent. I just, they don't need to be gutting games out in week number seven. I rest them. It's the Vikings. And to me, Steph, I look at it this way. The Niners have two games left before the bye in week nine. If they go one and one, I'm totally fine with that. If they're six and two going into the bye in week nine, I think they're in great shape. I would be totally fine with it. And if you give, because if you rest those guys to the bye, you give them three full weeks to heal up. That to me is the best way to go. If you're trying to plan long-term for the rest of the season, why force it? You know, this is Minnesota. It's not a division game. It's not anything like that. The Vikings stink. Okay. The Minnesota Vikings are terrible. You should be able to handle them. You flat out should. The Vikings have two wins this year. Who have they beaten? They've beaten nobody good. They're terrible. Handle your business against the Vikings. They've beaten the Panthers and the Bears. What do they have? A combined, what, one win between them on the year? Like, you don't need CMC. You don't need Trent. You don't need Debo. And, you know, frankly, they they were struggling a bit with the Bears as it was. Like, there was a point they were tied in that game. And probably Mm -hmm. was I didn't watch the game, but it probably wasn't until after Justin Fields left that, you know, the, the Vikings were able to. They got a, that one. the two wins. They've had defensive uh, scoop and scores in both games. Like their offense can't do anything. And that's with Justin Jefferson. That is true. Yeah, they're they're definitely a team kind of spir- spiraling right now. I was talking with uh, John and Wayne on the show about this yesterday. Right. And like we were getting flooded with comments of people saying, you know, rest CMC, save him from himself, because like. Mm-hmm. If it's a pain tolerance issue, what I think is going to happen, Christian McCaffrey, who is maybe one of the biggest competitors in all of football, he's going to say, no, I feel fine. I'm, I'm good. I can play. He wanted to do it on Sunday, and it, it just so happened that, you know, it, it was too much for him to continue playing. Uh, but maybe Monday night he feels just a little bit better, feels he can gut it out. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I understand exercising caution, but at the same time, if in fact it is just a pain tolerance issue, it's like, and, and there's no risk of like injuring something further, reaggravating anything, then like, why, why not have them out there? That's kind of the way I'm looking at it, but we truly don't know the details of this injury. So I guess we can't really say too much, but how can there be no risk of injuring it further? Right. If I punched you in the ribs and they were sore, and then I said to you now go get in 15 to 20 car accidents. You're telling me your ribs wouldn't feel worse at the end after all the car accidents were over. Like I, to me, I get it. Like, and I agree with you. He's going to want to play. But here's the other problem, Steph. It's not going to be Kyle, you know, getting him in for 
10 plays on third downs, right? If he plays, Kyle's giving him the full 20, 25 touches because that's how Kyle rolls. He just does that. And so to me, I don't play him because it's it's just there's no need for it. You risk what you risk is way, way more than what you would gain. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe the 49ers don't plan to play him Monday. Right. And all right. of this is just a, a facade to get the, the Vikings to prepare for him because, you know, you do have to prepare a lot for Christian McCaffrey. So they, they would spend a lot of time doing that. Maybe, maybe that is the plan. And that's why we're seeing all this like secrecy <laughs> from the 49ers. Um, yeah. It, it is better to be safe with him. You want him for the long haul. Um, but I, you know, I think if, if Christian McCaffrey doesn't play, I think it's a great opportunity for Brock Purdy. And even if, McCaffrey does play you know I I do still feel it's a it's a big opportunity for Purdy to bounce back from what was I think a forgettable game for him I mean this was his worst game to date um I think it's the lowest completion percentage any Kyle Shanahan quarterback has had uh and so again forgettable he was missing guys who were open uh just uncharacteristic all around from Brock at the same time, I don't think we saw a defeated Brock. Like, I don't think we saw someone who was panicking. Like, he he still looked poised out there. So I think those are all things to feel good about. I think he's going to bounce back against the Vikings. And we were just mentioning how their defense has been kind of spiraling and they're not very good. So just another reason, again, also primetime, uh, to, to prove that, hey, what happened Sunday – that's not me guys. Like I'm, I'm just going to bounce back and it doesn't matter if Christian McCaffrey's there or not. I'm going to look good on Monday night. There are things that we are still learning about Brock Purdy. And I talked about this and people got mad at me when I said it, because people want to act like Brock Purdy's a finished guy. He's not. Steve Young was on KMBR yesterday and they asked him like about Brock and should he wear a glove in the rain? And is he bad in the rain? Steve Young's point was basically nobody knows, including Brock, because until you have gone through it at the NFL level, you don't know what it's going to be like. You don't know how you're going to react. You just don't know. So we have to learn these things. And one of the things that we're going to have to learn now about Brock is how does he respond off of a bad game? Do we see Brock come out and look a little like hey, extra motivated? Like, you know what? I had a bad game. Now everybody's calling me a fraud. I'm not a fraud. I busted my ass to get here. Last pick in the draft. And all I've done since I've gotten in is come in and kill it. Now I have one bad game in the rain and everybody wants to, you know, take a piece of my ass. All right. I'll show you something. And hopefully he comes out on Monday night and he does it. And I like to think that he does because he seems to have a little dog in him, as the kids like to say. But it's we're going to dog. We're going to find out. Yeah, we will. And I I can argue that I think we already found out, at least just in a small glimpse, in that final drive where he had the offense marched out. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't the prettiest drive. There were some misses on that one, too. But he got them in field goal range on that final drive, despite how badly the offense was looking and reeling before that drive. So I think we can argue that we already saw him, like, make a little bounce back there. Now let's see if he could do it for, you know, a full game. Right. Which I think, you know, he, he should be able to do. I have no doubt about that. He's had like quote unquote bad games before. And I say quote unquote, cause I don't think they've been like terrible. It's just like 
bad games uh, compared to his standard or what we're used to seeing from him. And and still the 49ers ha- hadn't lost a game. So That's- really it, it came it came to the 49ers as an entire team to have a bad game for them to to lose one as Brock Purdy uh, being the quarterback. Right. That's the difference, though. They've always won, even when he's had his, you know, quote unquote, bad games this time, you know, like they won games probably that maybe they shouldn't have won when he had a bad game. But this time he did his job, like you said, at the end of the game, and they should have won that game. I mean, you have a 41 yard field goal right down the middle. You expect whoever your kicker is, Jake Moody, Robbie Gold, Zane Gonzalez, Jose Cortez, Jeff Chandler. That's all the old Niners kickers I could think of. But yeah. <laughs> They all should be expected to make that, but they didn't. And he lost and he's got to, he, you know, there's been some criticism of Brock this week, right or wrong. The criticism has been there. And so I I do kind of want to see him come out with a little bit of fire and just chuck that thing around, be accurate, hit guys in stride. There were a lot of throws. He was just off. Just the ball placement was not where it needed to be. Missing Christian McCaffrey deep down the right sideline for a possible touchdown was huge. Just be on it and be sharp right from go this week. Yeah, in a game where everything seemed to go wrong in all facets, if if just one of those things had gone right, if maybe just one of those passes that we're talking about, you know, he he hit that accurately, it could have been a different ball game. We're, we might be talking about a win, right? So, and, and not just the Brock Purdy passes, but, you know, any of the flags, any of the missed tackles, you know, any of that could have changed the outcome of the game. So I think you, you still have to feel good about the 49ers even after that game. You know, one thing, uh, Rob, that I noticed after this one is, like we kind of got like mature Kyle uh, after uh, when he was talking to the media, he took some accountability because with the injuries, I think like there were some questions about, you know, some of the miscues uh, that happened, you know, Ray Ray McLeod lined up incorrectly or like wasn't motioning correctly. Uh, and then I think Jordan Mason also had a miscue. I think there were a number of different, issues that happened in that game after some of the injuries occurred and guys had to come in and, and maybe do some things that they hadn't been asked to do in, in a long time. Cause you know, 49ers up to that point hadn't really dealt with injuries. So guys seem to not have been entirely prepared. Right. And Kyle seemed to take some accountability for that. He did mention that, you know, those guys are responsible for studying and, and that's on everybody, he says. Uh, and I think he he meant like it is their responsibility, which is true. You know, it's veterans. We're talking about Ray Ray McLeod here. He's, he's not new to the league. Uh, Jordan Mason, it, you want to earn snaps, man. You got to you got to be on this stuff. Mm-hmm. So it is their responsibility. But it's also on him, too, because he has to have these guys prepared. You have to have a plan ready for if you have Debo and McCaffrey gone in the same game, like those backups need to be ready to step in. And so to his point, it's on everybody. And, you know, he did say that it it was on him. So I I do give Kyle Shanahan credit for that because I think in the past, like he's been kind of uh criticized for maybe not not taking as much accountability for for things like that and i just wonder what has changed from like these last maybe year or two where 
you know, we're seeing a more mature Kyle at the podium. Don't you think it's weird that a team that literally ran out of quarterbacks because so many players got injured suddenly was not prepared for guys to get injured, whether you want to put it on Kyle and on the individual players. And I think there's plenty of blame pie to go around for everybody to get their fill. And Kyle, you're right. He did admit like that's on me, but like, damn, were you taken by surprise that guys could get injured? I mean, the 49ers have been in the top 10 most injured teams every year of Kyle Shanahan's 49ers tenure. So like this should not have caught anybody by surprise. And that's a bad look by the coaching staff and the players. Oh, we weren't prepared when you've got Ray Ray McLeod and Trent Williams crashing into each other on a screen pass, which by the way, go back and watch that stuff. It is set up beautifully. There are four blockers there and only two Browns defenders. All Ray Ray has to do is catch it and he may score. And by the way, Brock Purdy, feel free not to dirt the ball. Like, actually get the ball to Ray Ray McLeod and that play still may have worked out. But it's just really weird to me that Kyle's like, yeah, we had guys in different spots and they weren't prepared and that's on me. What were you doing all week, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, what what do the backups do all week? Like, don't they walk through the same, same things? Look, to be fair, the 49ers had been fortunate, you know, with, with the injuries so far. And so maybe they hadn't had to think about these things like maybe they would in the past. But that being said, I mean, you still have to have your guys ready. And who knows who takes bigger blame? Like, should Ray Ray McLeod have been ready and, you know, studied his cues a little bit more? Yeah, sure. But yeah, as Kyle said, it's also his responsibility to have them ready, too. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that looks going forward, especially if like Christian McCaffrey is out. Like, do we see Elijah Mitchell, um, you know, look, look sharp out there? Do we see Jordan Mason uh, knowing where to line up a little bit better this time? Uh, they have a week and, you know, an entire extra day to prepare. So I think they're going to be on their P's and Q's. And, you know, I think we'll see a sharper game from them on Monday. I just thought of something. There was an interview that Kyle Juszczyk did, and I think it was with Richard Sherman. And Richard Sherman talked about how much Kyle Shanahan has to do and has to manage because he's the head coach and the offensive coordinator. And Juice said, I'm just, just flashed into my brain. Juice said Kyle has literally talked about the fact that because the 49ers are a veteran team, there are things he doesn't have to worry about because he just feels like they're going to be on it. They're going to be on their P's and Q's because they recognize where they are and what's at stake and yada, yada, yada. What if Kyle, you know, like just kind of assumed that the guys would be on it because it is a veteran team and all that stuff. And then when the bleep hit the fan on Sunday, he found out, guess what? They weren't prepared. Guess what? Yeah. You do have to do that. I bet you that's what happened. I think I think that is what happens. And I think, yeah, for that reason that Kyle does have a lot to do. You've built this roster of, you know, foundational guys, guys who are veterans, blue collar players who you trust. Like you you trust these guys to know what they have to do. The problem is that most of those guys, those foundational blue collar guys, are your starters. And so when the starters aren't in there, they they know what they're supposed to do. But maybe the backup guys, you know, they they fall by the wayside because they're not as prepared. Maybe they don't have that exact same mentality. I mean, I really don't know. But clearly, you know, Kyle does trust his team 
they're all grown men to, you know, know what they're supposed to do when their name gets called. There are some lessons that are just better taught after a loss, even though like the 49ers have said, even after their wins, they said, hey, there's things to correct. You know, we can get better at this, blah, blah, blah. It hits different after a loss, because after you win on some level, there's always that tiny part of you that knows, you know what? Yeah, but we still won. Yeah, like against the Cowboys, for example, right? Are there things they could have got better at? Sure, but they won 42 to 10. So like, how much urgency do you really feel to correct those things when you're winning by 32 points? Now you have the loss, right? Now you're not undefeated anymore. Now you've got people talking bad about you all week. Now you've got your individual performance that may have suffered in the game. It is just different to come in after a loss. And nobody says you have to be undefeated to win the Super Bowl. So like, it's fine. It was an AFC loss, not in the NFC, not in the NFC West. This could be just a a reset for the team a little bit. I think everybody needs that. You know, they hadn't felt this in 16 straight weeks. And I think even the NFC championship game, like George Kittle talked about, like, it didn't really feel like you got beat, like it was a loss because of what happened. It felt just like circumstances conspired to not make that a real contest. So you didn't really feel like you got beat for a very, very, very long time. And so I'm very interested to see how the team responds on Monday. Yeah, it should be a good one. But another thing that is looming for the Vikings is that it should be a day filled with 49er fans. Vivid Seats is forecasting 43% of attendees at U.S. Bank Stadium to be 49er fans on Monday night. And that is as of like Wednesday. So who knows? That number could grow uh, when it's all said and done. It, It could be a pretty red place <laughs> out in uh minnesota good so if you guys are yeah no if you if any of you are going to the game make sure you you wear your red jerseys make sure you get loud um and you know us that stadium looks awesome like i i really wish i i could be going to that game uh minnesota is a, a pretty cool city um but yeah i mean you know, for for all this, like, you know, it's another away game. We know what can happen in away. Away games are weird, right? Like, as mm-hmm. we just saw, um, this one, fortunately, is a closed-off stadium. But, you know, the 49ers decided this time to not stay in, you know, Youngstown as they have in the past. They, especially it being a Monday game. So they wanted to come back and make that trip uh, out to Minnesota, which I, I think is fine if they feel like, that staying for one week kind of like made them sluggish or impacted them at all. I'm glad they, they voiced that and and they're doing the right thing uh, this week, but yeah, it should be, should feel like a home crowd out there, which should help the 49ers too. And Minnesota can get loud. It can be a very tough place to play. So the fact that it's going to be, you know, 43%, whatever you said, Niners fans, that's huge because Look, we, we've seen how these games go, right? You're on the road. We saw it in Cleveland. Cleveland was nuts last week. You could hear fans like banging on the seats and stuff. You let these teams hang around. All of a sudden, they get confidence. They get the home crowd, blah, blah, blah. You don't want that. You don't want to deal with any of that. So good on the faithful, baby. There were actually a decent number of 49er fans in Cleveland, too. Were there? I didn't notice that. It looked, it looked like, if you look at the stands, there was quite a bit of red but i did hear the trash cans in cleveland like i don't don't know what that was about but yeah it was it did get loud um look rob uh we didn't see too much of george kittle 
on Sunday against the Browns. You know, maybe they did a great job, you know, covering him. I know, uh, I think one of the missed throws was to Kittle too. So oh yeah, maybe he could have had a better day, but you know, what's coming up is national tight end day. So I think, uh, <laughs> great. Why? Okay. For the audio listeners, Rob immediately rolled his eyes. Why, why the reaction, Rob? I just want the main thing to be the main thing with George Kittle. Okay. I don't give a crap about your wrestling career that you want to start. I don't give a crap about like, all the characters and the, whatever new tattoo you got. I care about your actual production on the field, you know, sort of your main job. And I know that Kittle, he can't throw the ball to himself and all this stuff, but it's not like Brock Purdy is just bypassing open George Kittle to throw to other people. If George isn't getting the ball, it's because George isn't getting open. So get open, do something, George. Okay. What did you have? One target last week. Oh, two, two targets. Excuse me. One catch for one yard. Do something. You're getting a ton of money and it ain't to block. Okay. Deuce. I don't give a shit about national tight end day. I really don't like he's such a freaking character. Now, how about you just be a football player for a week? Let's try that, George. Whew, man. Oh, George God. He, he gets all mad at me on Twitter when I say he's not going to finish his contract with the 49ers. Why the hell would they keep you around, George, for your well, one? They, they keep restructuring him, so <laughs> they might know, not that, have a choice anyway. <laughs> yeah, that did happen after he got mad at me. They restructured it. But, like, what a waste of money that is. It's a waste of money right now. It is. Wow. Okay. So if he goes off um, on Monday night, theoretically, like, if he does go off, what what are you saying then? Thanks for doing your job. <laughs> That's what the money is for, George. Like. Yes. And he's good for, for two or three of those games every year where he just absolutely dominates. I need to see it. And I feel like, by the way, those games are few and far between more and more like let's go, George. I'm tired of the, of the three catches for 30 yards. I'm tired of it. I don't give a crap. If you have six good blocks in the game, I don't care. Catch the ball, get open, truck some people and let's go. I'm going to have to, you know, cut up some of what you just said for, you know. That's fine. And George will get all <laughs> mad at me and I could care less. Like... I'm going to tag him. I'm going to tag him too. Um, But no, uh, in all seriousness, yeah, I think we would all like to see some more involvement uh, from George Kittle. I do understand that this past week, you know, you were dealing with a very tough Browns defensive line and, you know, Kittle probably had to help, you know, block for a second or two more than he usually would, uh, you know, before running a route. But, you know, I think there's an opportunity for, for Kittle to have a bigger game, especially if, you know, if Debo Samuel plays, but he's not 100% um, or, you know, still feeling a little sore. There's an opportunity for George Kittle to to get more plays and, and more balls thrown his way. So um, hopefully we see that. I also think Brandon Ayuk has a bounce back game. I thought my personal opinion, I know PFF only had him with one drop, but I thought he dropped two balls. One of them was was you know kind of overthrown so i'll give him that other one but yeah i think uh brandon Ayuk is gonna bounce back in a major way as well and again because like Ayuk is one of those guys who wants to be considered like one of the you know top wide receivers in the game you have to come down with those yep. those guys certainly do those top guys so you need to make those impressive grabs 
what better game to do it than in prime time? I mean, we saw the 49ers look great against the Cowboys. Another performance like that against these this Vikings team would go a long way to, you know, expel all of what people were saying all this week that the 49ers are pretenders. And by the way, Cousins in prime time, not so hot. He's seven of 11, uh, or sorry, seven, 11. So seven wins to 11 losses on prime time. So just another thing going in the 49ers favor uh, heading into Monday. And let me say two things. One more on George Kittle. Like when they give Kittle the targets, he does usually produce, but he's not getting the targets or he's not getting open enough to get them. And that something needs to change there. Uh, the other thing I like to see, by the way, with Kirk Cousins, let's see this defensive line, like eat this week, get sacks, not pressures, sacks. Yeah. Bosa's got in the sack two games in a row. We'd love to make that three. The addition of Randy Gregory seemed mm-hmm. to be a really good one. Let's see if he can keep it up past one game. I think he could, and I think it's going to do wonders for this defensive line. Rob, a lot of people are are talking about the trade deadline and, you know, us 49er fans. We're so spoiled. We're so, like, we, we just always want more, right? And so now, you know, we're still talking about Brian Burns being available there. The Vikings have an edge rusher in Daniel Hunter who could also be available, especially if, you know, they lose again on Monday night. Could the 49ers really, like, be in the market for another pass rusher? Why not? You can, what are they worried about? The two pass rushers are going to collide when they get to the quarterback. Like you can never have enough. I would absolutely be for it. Do it. Like now is the time. Warren Buffett, the billionaire, they asked him, how did you make all your money? And he said, when people are cautious, be greedy. And when people are greedy, be cautious. Well, now is the time to be greedy. If you're the 49ers, you load up, go get it. How many more bites at this apple do you think you're going to have? You've got $40 million in cap space. Go get it. Don't I don't care about 2024. Who cares? Who cares about 2025? I'm concerned about 2023. If not now, when? You heard the man, uh, John Lynch. I mean, make those calls. We want another pass rusher, preferably uh, Brian Burns or Daniel Hunter. Uh, but, you know, that's the show for today. Uh, Rob, thank you for joining me so early. Uh, all of you guys who tuned in, thanks for joining us so early. Make sure you like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the channel, not just my channel, but Rob's as well, the Gold Standard Network. Uh, you can find my channel at Steph49K. We appreciate all of the support. We're here every Thursday morning, so make sure you tune in. And tomorrow I'm going to do a deep dive with Lori Fitzpatrick of this Vikings matchup, so make sure you tune into that as well. Um, but for now, have a good rest of your Thursday, folks. Peace.